Welcome to Anthony Plogon Music. This is Eddie Ludema, the show's producer. In part two, Amy shares a behind-the-scenes look at her recording sessions for Kendrick Lamar and Dave Matthews. And she also talks about being a part of a Henry Mancini tribute, which included musicians such as John Williams, Herbie Hancock, and Quincy Jones. But before we get back to Amy's fantastic experiences, we'd like to share a message with you from our friends at Dorico, the cutting-edge music notation and engraving system from Steinberg. Create music that moves with Dorico 5, the brand new version of the music notation and composition software from Steinberg. Packed with new features throughout the application, it's the perfect time to update from your current version or to try Dorico for the first time. You can start for free with Dorico SE or Dorico for iPad, which now allow projects with up to eight players. Or step up to Dorico Elements, which now allows projects of unlimited size and features an expanded engrave mode. For professional use, choose Dorico Pro, which has many unique features you won't find in any other software. Visit www.steinberg.net forward slash Dorico today and make more time for music. For you as a freelancer, what are the different things you do? Obviously, you've talked about uh, doing studio sessions for films, but you also do recording for records. And you've done, I think, like stuff like hip hop records or things like that. Yeah. Is that is that really different than other stuff? Um. I mean, yeah, I guess depending on depending on what, you know, what the album is or, you know, sometimes it's albums, sometimes like I've played at Coachella quite a bit as well. So, you know, kind of big, crazy music festival with different pop artists, um, Ariana Grande and, um, and I've done a, a couple other more film music type related things. I like I've played with Hans Zimmer and um, Danny Elfman at Coachella as well. So so some of those are more film music related. Um, but yeah, for albums, uh, probably the, the one that you mentioned when you said the, the hip hop stuff. Um, yeah, I've, I actually played on, um, Kendrick Lamar's album to pimp a butterfly, which was, you know, one best rap album at the Grammys and, you know, I won, won a ton of awards and that one, I mean, I wouldn't say it's totally different. I don't really approach playing the horn differently, but certainly the instrumentation is different and, you know, the vibe in the studio is definitely, definitely different. How, how is um, that different? The vibe um, in the studio, more relaxed. It's just yeah, very relaxed. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I've done a, a bunch of things for um, a jazz saxophonist, Kamasi Washington, um, including playing on a, a couple of his albums, um, and then he's the one who kind of put the group together for the Kendrick Lamar um, album, and uh, we also did something for Florence and the Machine with him. Um, so several different bands and different styles, um, including the Kendrick album. But yeah, I mean, the vibe is just very casual, very low key. Um, I hate to say they they don't really, you know, you don't necessarily start on time. You show up and people kind of wander in and it's very, um, I don't know, I kind of imagine it was a little bit more like in the days of, you know, Sinatra and, <laughs> and things like that, um, where it was just much more casual. Um, but granted, I mean, that goes with hand in hand with the fact that it's it's a band or it's an artist and it's not a full orchestra where you ha where you have it all, um, you know, set to you know time is money uh as far as like down to the minute with an orchestra um so i think it's just by nature of of you know the the ensemble it's different and the, the purpose of the recording but um yeah the, the kendrick album was particularly cool um 
you know, I played on, I think, four or five different tunes on that album. And, of course, they ended up kind of, you know, mixing all of the instruments. It was basically strings, a few woodwinds, and I think horn and trombone, if I remember correctly. Um, there was already some featured um, trumpet and saxophone on the album. Um, they were featured as more like jazz soloists. Um, but they took our ensemble parts and, um, you know, kind of mixed it down. At Sometimes they probably EQ'd things and did some effects with it. So you can't always hear us, you know, as a, like a classical ensemble on the recording. But there's one moment that, um, that my friends have kind of joked around about on, on a tune called um, How Much a Dollar Cost. <laughs> and it's just a really neat moment where the horn gets a very exposed high C, uh, C to C, C to C. C to high C slur. Um, You're talking horn slur. high C? Wow. Okay. Yeah, horn wow. high C, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, just, a, just a, I mean, it's really the most simple part ever. It's just, you're just holding a, a, a middle C, you know, in the, in the staff, horn pitch, um, for, you know, for a few bars. And then it just, I didn't think much of it, but it slurs up to the top C and you just hold it for a little bit. When I listened to the album, I realized that that moment in the song, um, is the most poignant lyrical moment uh, in the story that he's telling. Um, basically, talks about the, his discovery of God. Basically, and there's a little, uh, uh, just a one second break in the lyrics and the rest of the noise, and you hear this horn slur up to the high C. Wow! <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I listen to that. I just had to laugh. I had to laugh. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if it's as as obvious as it sounds like it is to me, but um, but I had to laugh. I just thought, well, that's my claim to fame right there. Wow! How great! Have a moment on a. Kendrick Lamar out tune. <laughs> was he at the sessions? No, he wasn't, unfortunately. Um, but uh, but a lot of the other band members on the album um, were there, and uh, yeah, so I didn't get to meet didn't get to meet uh, meet Kendrick, but it was very cool. And then, if you don't mind, can I tell one other quick story about my probably one of my favorite uh, album sessions? Yeah, please. This was for Dave Matthews Band, um, and. For me, Dave was, um, I, I kind of grew up listening to Dave Matthews. I went to a hero. I've gone to a lot of his shows over the years, you know, and, and one of the things actually to take it back a bit, one of the things I used to do when I was on tour is I would um, warm up uh, for the day, you know, before a show, uh, playing long tones, playing my fundamental exercises, but I would always kind of listen to music. Uh, a lot of times I'd put some music on that I liked and then I'd just play along with songs. So I, I to try to kind of, you know, basic, do basic improvisation, but it was just very simple, you know, simple, easy, uh, improvisation, long tones and, and little melodies and counter lines that I might hear or trying to figure out a bass line in a part or a, a harmony part. Um, but I often listened to Dave Matthews on, uh, when I was when I was doing those, you know, recording or when I was uh, warming up for shows. And so um, I just got a very lucky call from um, my friend Rashawn Ross, uh, who is, of course, a trumpet player for Dave Matthews. And he called and he said, hey, I'm thinking of adding a horn on a track for this new album we have coming up. He's like, I was going to just play it on trumpet or actually he said he was going to just play it on flugelhorn. But I thought a horn would be even better. So could you come in and just record this one track? I thought, absolutely. I would love to do that. It would be a dream. So I, I went in and they were just finishing up horn parts. So it was Rashawn and Jeff Coffin that were in the studio that day um, and the producer. And again, Dave Matthews wasn't there. Didn't get to meet him then, um, although I did get to meet him later. And so, you know, we recorded that one, that one track, um, Rashawn already had the part written out and it was just a beautiful little line, um, on the song, when I'm, when I'm weary, very, very short song and just beautiful little line that he wrote. 
you know, we recorded it a couple times and then maybe with a, I don't know, maybe this is a little Vince, Vince DeRosa inspiration. I said, you know, can we do it one more time? And can I just try something? And, uh, he said, yeah, sure. And my favorite thing about horn playing is kind of the beautiful slurs we can get, you know, kind of the sweeping, you know, lyrical slur or liquid slurs maybe. Um, that's one of my favorite things. And so I felt like all I wanted to do is, was make a, one of those leaps that he had written and then just kind of, I inverted it to try to make it a little bit larger, <laughs> get a bigger slur. And I just changed the octave basically at one point in it. And, um, they loved it and the producer loved it and they just, you know, they're just very, very happy with it. And so I thought, okay, well that gives them another alter, you know, an alternate take that they could try. But then after we were done recording that one tune, um, they were basically done with all of their horn parts. And they said, well, we're just going to listen to the album in the booth, kind of going through to make sure that we've got everything. Um, and I, you know, I just said, well, can I stick around and listen? You know, I'd love to hear hear what you guys have recorded. So just went in the booth and sat in there with Jeff and Rashawn and the producer, uh, John Alasia. And as <laughs> as they were going through listening to it, the producer, John, would turn to me every once in a while and they've got this, the songs blasting. But he turned to me and he kind of, you know, made this motion like like a big a big leap, a big swooping horn leap. And he's like, I think we need horn on this track. And so <laughs> a couple times. So we ended up adding horn parts on, I think two maybe three other songs on the album um just on the fly and Rashawn went into the studio with me and we just made up parts um on the spot and it was probably just one of the coolest opportunities that I've had to take you know a little bit of what I had done in the past of just you know messing around on my own trying to improvise lines and feeling comfortable enough to do it in the studio on an album for Dave. Wow. <laughs> so, um, and, it, and it wasn't, you know, it, it's it, again, it's not all super exposed on the album, but they're little elements that I got to kind of fit in because they wanted a few more little horn, you know, lyrical horn slurs. Um, and they just, they liked the sound of the horn on the album. So I got to kind of insert myself more into the album than they originally intended. Boy, that's great. <laughs> and not by design, but... <laughs> I remember years ago, Gail Williams came into, into Summit Brass one summer and she said that for all her life, she had been taught how to play really clean slurs. And for the past six months, she was working on playing, I don't know if you'd say dirty slurs, but like portamento slurs, you know, with some notes yes. in between that were more expressive. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And and, and of, of course, I work to try to be able to play them just, you know, very, very clean as well, because that's an art, <laughs> art, yeah, art in for itself. Sure. But to have that kind of flexibility to make it a little bit more syrupy and liquid, um, I think is something that stands out to people, especially maybe, you know, maybe if it's not a classical setting, but they want to hear that kind of romantic horn sound. Um, and so, yeah, it's really kind of served me well on, on some album recordings. Well, you've two other, two other quick recording things to talk about. I understand that there was a, a tribute uh, album, a recording session for Henry Mancini, that John Williams... Quincy Jones and some other people had the opportunity to play with Amy Sanchez. Is that correct? No, <laughs> way too kind. But um, but yes, this was just this was just recently actually. Um, I don't re remember when we were when we recorded. I guess it was just a couple months ago. But it was just released. They just released a clip of this on um, CBS Sunday Morning. Um, so you can actually find the clip on YouTube and I think on the CBS Sunday Morning page. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice clip. Um, yeah, it's really neat. Um, again, this is one of those crazy opportunities that I never thought would um, 
would happen. Never would have ever <laughs> dreamed or expected this. Um, and again, that's one of the things that I kind of love about LA. You just never know from day to day what might might come up. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a documentary about Henry Mancini. I believe it's on his, the hundredth anniversary of his life and career. So it's being produced uh, by Greg Field, who um, or the, the documentary is being made by Greg Field, who is married to Monica Mancini, um, one of Henry Mancini's daughters. Um, and Greg is a fantastic uh, drummer as well. So he's putting this together, and they're recording a few different songs um, that of Mancini's and they're, they're kind of recreating or re-recording them. So we re-recorded the Peter Gunn theme. Um, so, you know, that classic iconic da, 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 you know, that classic piano part. Um, they, they thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to get the original pianist who recorded on that, that part? And who, wouldn't you know it, that was Johnny Williams. Um, and I think they used to call him Johnny T um, or JT. Um, so John Williams, yeah, before he became our, you know, incredible uh, legendary film composer was a jazz pianist in, in L.A. Um, as a, a session player. Um, so he was actually the one who played that original original bass line on the piano. Um, so they asked him to come in and record <laughs> that Um and then I guess they also thought, well, we need another piano. I heard that John Williams himself said, well, we should get another pianist on this to play some solos as well. So they asked Herbie Hancock to come in and play. Wow. <laughs> it's just incredible. Um, Arturo Sandoval played all the uh, screaming trumpet parts. And then the rest of the trumpet section and the brass, of course, was incredible. Actually, Rashawn Ross also played in the trumpet section. Willie Murillo. Um, it was just, I think Chris Gray was there. It was just, just an incredible um, section overall um, in all the brass. Um, four horns, which was really cool. Dylan Hart played uh, played principal, and then Laura Brennis and myself, and Dylan's wife Annie Bosler, who is also an incredible player and um, pedagogue in LA. And so it was just a really incredible day. And then to be the producer of that specific session, they had Quincy Jones come in. How great! <laughs> so it was just incredible. Uh, Vinny Caliuda on drums, uh, you know, just kind of legendary players all over the place. Um, bass and uh, every instrument in the room and it was just one of those uh, times where you just can't even believe you're in the room um you know I just felt so lucky to be there um again you know and it's one of those things like you know that uh, with a lot of work in LA that gig, gig could go to anybody you know there's plenty of players in town that that can do it with no problem but you know sometimes you get those lucky breaks um and it certainly comes after a lot of uh, hard work and you know uh, you know, being trustworthy and representing yourself well, but there's still lucky breaks, and um, I could never have planned that one. I've kind of joked around that it's be it's always been on my bucket list to record um, on a John Williams score, and I'll say that has not happened. I haven't been lucky enough to to record on a John Williams score. I've worked with him a handful of times, plenty of times actually. I've gotten to, to can play under his baton, but I've never gotten to record for his for a film of his. And and I actually um, got to chat with him for a minute on that session. And I just said, you know, I've never thought that I would actually be playing on a session with you <laughs> not just recording but that yeah. you're actually you're actually performing with us as one of the musicians that was just really special oh, that's great you also did a session and i'm i'm wondering if you did it in india for a bollywood film i did was that actually in india and so they flew you over to record yes and wow. this was this this was years ago this was way back in 2007 um so well before i started at ucla and 
um, really, I was still kind of in the midst of doing Blast tours. Every year for Blast, um, the, the tour was very popular. The show was very popular in Japan. So we would go um, and perform summer tours in Japan every year. And our trumpet soloist, I'm, I'm guessing you might know this name as well, was Adam Rappa. Oh, yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Adam was in Blast. We, we started in Blast together. We did that national tour. Um, he came back to Japan. So I've done Blast with Adam for many, many years. Um, in addition to some other shows, he's been a very good friend and colleague. And Adam somehow was put in touch with A.R. Raymond, the Bollywood film composer, Indian Bollywood film composer. Uh, he's the most prolific uh, Bollywood composer ever, everywhere. They actually call him the Mozart of India. He's recorded so many film scores. Um, so somehow Adam was put in touch with A.R. Raymond. And they said, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we usually record, we can record strings here, but we don't really have any brass in India. Sometimes we go to Budapest or Prague or somewhere else um, or London. um, But the film music for this one is, is on such a tight schedule that he's literally writing it day and night and doesn't have time to travel. So we want to bring a brass section here to India to record. Um, So yeah, Adam basically gathered up some of his favorite players at the time, and we all flew in from different parts of the country um, to go record in Chennai, India, at A.R. Raymond's studio. Um, And we were there for about a week, and it was probably the craziest recording um, I'd ever done because, of course, we were already jet-lagged. You know, we showed up in India kind of in the middle of the night, and somebody came and picked us up, took us to a hotel, and they, they treated us really well, brought us all around and gave us great tours, incredible food, um, showed us all over the place. But, you know, basically there wasn't, talk about, you know, no structure in a recording session. We basically had no idea when we were going to record. So they dropped us off at the hotel and basically said, we'll come and find you. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, next thing you know, they said there's a breakfast buffet at the hotel. So we all had breakfast buffet. And then somebody came and just said, well, we're not going to be in the studio until later today, but I'll come and give you guys a tour um, of, of Chennai. So they took us out. And it wasn't until probably 8 or 9 p.m. that night that he said, okay, well, they're ready for us. We're going to go to the studio to now. <laughs> and you're probably so, massively jet-lagged. Massively jet-lagged. So we went and recorded. I don't remember the exact times, but it was something like you know 9 or 10 at night till 3 in the morning or something. Um, recorded all this epic brass music. And then basically every day it was the same type of thing. We'd spend all day going out exploring, getting this great tour, and then we'd go in and record from, you know, midnight to 4 a.m. or something like that, um, or, you know, 10 to 2. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and they just, just so much music because he was basically writing all this music for a four-hour film. <laughs> you know, they create these epic Bollywood productions. This one was called Joda Akbar. And these these epic long scenes and films and they basically ended up just he just wrote almost symphonies worth of music it seemed like and then they just cut all the music to fit the film and Hmm. so a lot of it is in the film but some uh, some of the incredible stuff that we recorded never even made it into the film of course so that was yeah probably the most unique recording session i'd ever done (laughs) join tony and amy in the bonus room where Tony and Amy talk about a handful of her interests and experiences outside of her freelancing work. For example, her 99-day trip around the United States visiting and photographing all of the national parks. They talk about her pilot's license journey, and they wrap up their conversation talking about the community and a house she bought in beautiful Sitka, Alaska. 
Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying these interviews, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the word.